Hello and welcome to St James's Park in Newcastle United drew 1-1 with Wolves. Very much a game of two halves. Joined here first by Mark Douglas. Mark, just sum up what you, you made of that game. Well, unfortunately, it's more of the same. We've kind of got used to uh, these kind of days at, at St James's Park at the moment. The team's in transition. Um, they're going to they're fighting a relegation battle. I think that's what it's going to be for the first time. I think after the game, Steve Bruce kind of acknowledged this season's going to be a slog compared it to the last two. Um, you know, I, there I was thinking, you know, they were hoping for some progress at some point from the football club, but but, the, but it wasn't there. Um, I think second half was really poor. First half, they ended pretty pretty well. Um, started creating chances. It was the best in terms of Newcastle uh, at home. Of, in terms of that spell at the end, they, they, they actually did look a bit of a threat. Started poorly, though. And again, you know, it's just unsatisfactory, isn't it? The atmosphere was flat again. You know, we had a really good uh, day last time out at St James's Park against Manchester United, which was felt, you know, it uplifted the soul. But I think we kind of probably knew at the time that was a, um, you know, a bit of a one-off really in terms of what happened with Matty Longstaff and the fact that it was Manchester United as well and they won. Uh, and this is a little bit more the bread and butter of this season and um, it's not particularly edifying. Um, but I suppose... If you're going to be ultra positive, it's a point where they could have lost. Um, but yeah, not not fun. Um, I'm forty six thousand, just over um, here today. Um, what did you make of that number? Was like you say, it's probably expected. But do you think the fact that it has gone down so rapidly after the Man United game will that be sending alarm bells ringing in the boardroom? Well, I mean, of course, it's forty six thousand and nineteen sold out away end. Wolves brought a fantastic. Uh, following today, I mean, I'm really impressed by them. Um, of course, the count season ticket holders who who aren't necessarily at the match as well. So whether it was 46 is you know open to debate. There was certainly wasn't a, you know a, a hugely um, kind of passionate for home fans. I think it's fair to say it what didn't feel like it didn't feel like a really uh, you know an energised home crowd either. Will they be? I don't know. I think at the moment. You know that their 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 message is that they're very calm about what's going on. They knew it was going to be a season in transition. They're saying, look at the bigger picture. Don't react to the noise that's around the football club at the moment. And I guess we'll see at the end of the season whether that's the right approach to have because this season is all about surviving. But I mean, I'm concerned by it because it feels like something's not right um, here. You know, there were definitely people not coming who were who've been coming for the last two years. The noise just isn't there. It was for a bit last in the last home game, but that was a, as I said, you know, a bit of a special case. But you know, this team, we're waiting for this team to kind of give people something to cheer about. But the team probably need the fans as well because it's a team in transition, quite a young side. But it's not there, and it's not there for reasons we know. You know, fans, a lot of fans have just got simply fed up of Mike Ashley and the way that the football club is being run. There was a lone banner in the away in the east stand sorry today just so it was a kind of nike logo saying just do it mike sell up and um you know that, i think they were, they were pulling that up every time uh, the cameras went near it and you know i think that sums up what a lot of fans feel um and that's not going to change anytime soon and that's the that's the big problem isn't it what do, what do you do to change it there is nothing you can do unless unless the owner sells the football club you mentioned that banner but actually, vocally, there wasn't any that I can remember chance. Now, that's different to how it's been previously. And is that a sign of apathy? People are just, they're coming because they want to support the team, but they're feeling uninspired. They know that largely probably 
Chanton's not going to get them anywhere in terms of actually selling. So they are literally they're coming because it's, that's what they've done for, for decades with generations of family. Yeah, and probably a lot of the very vocal anti-Ashley um, kind of supporters aren't coming to the games because that's what that's their stand. And you know you have to kind of um, say that they're stick they're, they're sort of sticking by their principles by doing something that they said they weren't going to do. So I think probably the people left in the stadium are the ones who, I'm not saying they're, they're pro-Mike Ashley by any stretch of the imagination, but they're probably at the point where they've sort of either come to terms with the fact that, look, you know, we're going to come and, and watch the team and try and support the team, or alternatively, um, you know, it's just not... It, it, it probably, like you said, they've just it's, it's the point in which it's like, well, they will make their feelings heard because we've heard away from home and in some home games that there are some anti-Mike Ashley chants, but the protests kind of aren't there. The flags aren't there. The whole thing just feels a lot, you know, it just, it, it doesn't feel quite right. It doesn't, it feels like the club's kind of missing, missing something at the moment. And, um, you know, the thing that they can do to kind of repair that is by winning games, but they don't look like a team that's going to win regularly at the moment because there's so many flaws with the way that they're playing and they don't seem to have the answers at the moment on the pitch then Lascelles grabs the opener um, and like you say there was kind of five ten minutes afterwards towards half time Newcastle arguably should have another one Almiron had a chance as well um, but they just didn't they just didn't uh, take that dominance and, and, and get a second and get the, the crucial three points yeah I mean that's going to be the problem this season isn't it they, they don't look like they've got enough goals but they do look, have some players who can cause a threat I mean Almiron today I know he didn't score but it was a brighter certainly his first half I thought it was a, he was brighter than he has been for a while he was unlucky I think a couple of times the chance that he had where, where he went into the side netting I think I've, I've been told the goalkeeper actually saved it rather than he he hit it into the side netting um, he did miss one which was a bit of a shocker but he's getting into the positions so Maximum's creating a lot Willems looks quite good going forward um I thought Sean Longstaff had a good game today before his red card, ironically, which obviously ruined it, but he was playing well. Um, I'm worried about the strike. I'm worried about Chalinton. Doesn't look like a natural target man. You know, they spent £40 million on him, we're told. £40 million. They could have had Rondon for 19 and a half. And I know the argument, you know, we've been told by people at the club that it could would have been one of the worst financial packages that the club would have ever signed if they'd have brought him in as a 29-year-old at the price of he was and the wages he was on. But he probably would have done a better job than Jalinton's done so far. And I don't know where Jalinton's, where the appreciation and value is going to come from, from him because he's not a striker. He's not the kind of, he's not going to play in that role that they need him to play in at the moment. So that's my big concern is where, what, are they going to change things to, to accommodate him? They haven't got another striker who's going to be able to do that. I can't see them signing another striker in January who's going to take the load off Jalinton's um, shoulders either because they're expensive and if they've got a relegation battle are they going to commit that kind of money and he's a £40 million striker it could well be that at the end of the season you say well who's taking that decision to sign him you know other football clubs that Newcastle don't spend £40 million on players and they spent £65 million on the front three that they had today Almir Angelinton and Alan Maximum. and between the three of them you know they've not scored a goal they've scored one goal sorry Angelinton uh, um, scored at Spurs few assists where's the threat and you guys have spent a lot of money on that front three who's taken those decisions it's uh, you know you've got to say that like how has that come to pass that they've spent more money in, in the last two windows on those players than, than you know they've ever spent on forward players and yet they don't look like they're going to score goals
You mentioned there, Julian, you had a few instances where it was literally a touch away from having a shot on target. Is that ability, is that confidence? Because you would look at it and you said, there was, there was a moment when he had his back to goal and if it was Rondon, maybe you're thinking the strength yeah. and he's through, he got tackled. Is it ability, is it confidence, is it a mixture of both? I think confidence is a big part of it now at the moment for for Jillian. So he's clearly, you know, we saw it against Spurs when he got that one chance, didn't he? And he, he sort of, good first touch, you know, brilliant finish at Spurs. He's high on, you know, he's still, still, um, quite high on the fact that he's he's come here and he's you know he's got he's come off the back of a decent season with Hoffenheim and now it looks more of a struggle for him he looks like you know I'm not sure whether he's come fully convinced that he can play the role that he's he's in at the moment and that's my worry um, ability wise I just don't think it's his game I don't think it's his game I don't think he is a big tall target man who's going to hold the ball up and um, you know and, and bully defenders that's not that's not him playing against three defenders today, playing against three centre-backs today. He didn't have a prayer, really, you know, and, and he's not that kind of player. He, he's more of a sort of... He plays off the left, really, doesn't he? He's a, he's a, four, he's a forward. He's not a, he's not a number nine, but that's what he's playing. That's what Newcastle have signed him as. Well, whoever signed him, we know that the work was going in months and months and months ago, way before the head coach came in. So, again, you know, I've always said that you can't sign players... With when the manager's, you know, the manager's not fully involved in it, and I know he obviously says the head coach says, "Well, I, I'm in charge of the transfers," but you know, come on, we're not born yesterday. You know, it, it was obvious that there's a an overlap there, um, and they were desperate to sign him. And whoever took that decision, whoever's made that decision, whether Steve Nixon, Lee Charnley, Mike Ashley's spoken very highly about it as well. You know, the most important person in those decisions should be the head coach or the manager, and. That's the problem now. They've got it. They're stuck with a forty million pound striker. They've got to find a way to play to his strengths because otherwise, he's going to depreciate in value. Newcastle aren't going to get the goals. You know, I was just saying there. That would have been better with Mitrovic, to be honest with you. Going back there, they would have been better with Rondon. You know, that, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah, even better with I don't know. Like looking back at the, some of the strikers that they've had, that, they're going to end. I think what will end up happening by the end of this this international break is that Dwight Gale will be playing. They would have sold Dwight Gale 48 hours before the transfer deadline. So it's a worry, isn't it? It's a big, big worry. You just hope that from somewhere, I think the, the, the hope that they have at the moment is that one goal will just spark him into life and he'll start to get a bit of confidence and then he can get, you know, and, and if he gets 10 goals this season, they'll be happy with that. Um, but he doesn't look a long way off that at the moment. The 10 games down, you know, the 38-game season, he's played more than a quarter of the games and he's not looked like scoring, really. He scored one, but... After since that, he's not really looked like scoring too many since. So, yeah, big worries up front. But that's we, we knew the goals were going to be the problem. They've got two games now where they need to find a win from one of those two. Um, and Bournemouth look already looking like a another big game. And you know, you kind of feel like the season's path has already been set a, a, a slog to forty games. Bruce said the same himself today. So, um, yeah, you just hope that you just hope that somewhere it's going to kind of click into gear. Um, but today was not the day. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. Joined now by Lee Ryder. Lee, we'll start with Sean Longstaff. Um, you know, had a, a good game. You said in your player ratings you thought he had an excellent game up to the point of which he was sent off. Red card for you? It's one of them where... 
this day and age, I suppose the referee's got to stick to the letter of the law. Um, I don't think it was malicious. He hasn't tried to hurt the player, but the player's gone on as if, you know, he's broke his leg or something like that and he's just jumped straight back up. So disappointing to see that, but what you've got to remember with Sean Longstaff is he is learning, he is still young, he hasn't even been in the first team for for a full 12 months yet, so he's going to have moments like that. Um, maybe next time he'll you know, opt not to go for the ball in that situation, but for Newcastle, um, the game should have been done and dusted by then. They didn't build on what they did in the first half. Players are very annoyed about the, the whole game because... Some, don't know, even after 20 minutes there were, seemed to be a lot of dialogue going on on the pitch but then second half they couldn't come up with the answer when it got back to 1-1 and the game just drifted away from them. It's a shame because both Longstaffs, they did, they had a good game and you were thinking ahead to next week, Hayden's back and you're thinking well, is he going to get in the side? That answer is, you know, it's there now, he probably will do because obviously Longstaff, Sean's been uh, suspended but just a word on the on the their, the pair's performance before the centre now. I thought they did they did quite well. That's where the energy was coming from, and in the centre of the pitch. And it's just unfortunate that that partnership is now going to be you know broken up. Uh, it would have been a well for me an easy decision for Steve Bruce to pick them next week at West Ham, and now Sean Longstaff is banned. So Isaac Hayden's probably going to just walk straight back in, get his place again, and. Something different. Uh, we'll we'll see at West Ham next week. But really, I can sense there's a lot of frustration around the the Newcastle players. I've just spoke to a few of them out there, and you you could tell they were quite cheesed off um, with a number of things. I mean, you look at the league table; it doesn't look great. Could be a lot worse, by the way. Could be in the bottom three, but. They needed to try and pull away from there. I know it's a tightly congested table, but this was a, an opportunity to get three points today against the Wolves team who've had a long week with Europe. Most certainly a lot of talk about Joe Linson. Um, again, just not... I mean, the service was a bit better today, I'd argue. There was a few instances in the box where the ball did come across. And we mentioned it there previously with Mark. It's, it's, it's literally a touch or two, and then he's probably in. Um, for you, what happens next with Joe Linton? What Did you see any... Glimpses today, you know that there is a player who can, you know, get fifteen twenty goals th- this season. Well, he only as good as the service. Uh, Newcastle put in twenty seven crosses today. I don't think many of them were near the number nine. Really, um, if you go back in the day when Alan Shearer was here, he would be absolutely doing his doing his nut with whoever was out wide with service like that. Yes, the crosses come in, but they they weren't. They weren't anywhere near the sort of area where he's going to thrive off. Um, the big shame for me, I was just saying in the press box, is it would be fantastic if Joe Linton could have a couple of afternoons on a training pitch with someone like Alan Shearer and get, a, get some tips and advice and just sit down and even talk to him. But because of the relationship between Alan Shearer and Newcastle, you know, the way it ended under Mike Ashley... Um, Sadly, that that wouldn't be possible, and you wouldn't blame Alan Shearer for for not wanting to do that. Um, but he needs a goal scorer, an expert, to have some conversations with him. He walked out the stadium alone. He trudged out. He looked like a, a young man who was deep in thought. I felt sorry for him. I hope Newcastle can do something to 
to get him up and up and running again. The big the big issue now is that with with football, the pressure is now probably mounting on Steve Bruce to to make a change in attack. Dwight Gale came on too late really today. It was a tight game, I suppose, but you know he's not going to be. He's by the same token, he's not going to be able to do anything with five minutes of stoppage time, which is exactly what he got. So frustrate frustration all round as a, when it comes to strikers. But realistically, um, Joe Linton at West Ham next week. If you take away the forty million pound price tag, if you take away the number nine shirt, uh, and all the fuss that that comes with it, then on form you would probably take him out of the team away at West Ham next week. You mentioned there the substitutions, and that was my next question. It's not the first time the question has been asked whether the subs came too late. Obviously, you long staff said enough would have affected. Um, maybe the decision to to bring on whoever, but like you say, with five minutes to go, I mean, should should this should, should the subs have been made about seventy minutes even before Wolves maybe got the equaliser? Because at that point, Newcastle just weren't looking like they were gonna they were gonna grab a second. Yeah, I mean, to be to be honest, Steve Bruce made the change at Chelsea um, after about seventy minutes. Uh, I think really they just looked like they were hanging on today I said I made the point last week in my notes that they probably should have made the changes earlier at Stamford Bridge you could make that argument again today maybe Joe Linton possibly could have come off after the hour mark um, Dwight Gale would then had half an hour have a run at Wolves but sadly it wasn't to be um, just too many players at the moment not on top of the game and that that sort of lends itself to lopsided performances, which is what what is happening out there at the moment. It's no good three or four players playing well in the game. You know, you need you need six, seven, eight players having a good game. Newcastle just aren't on there at the moment. And finally, just from yourself, obviously the equaliser came as uh, Martin Dubravka punched the ball down into Johnny's path. Should he've done better with that? Well, he's got a big fan club, Dubravka, so you have to be careful. Um, when it comes to criticism, um, but you know, if you look back over the last twelve months, yes, he's saved Newcastle in, in a lot of games, but also he's made mistakes in in games as well. Um, today, possibly could have done better with with that one. Um, just signed a six year contract, so it's been a, a strange week for him. Um, it'd be a brave man to change the goalkeeper, but as I say. It it's not the first mistake he's made, and you know no player's undroppable. But for Steve Bruce, he'll have a lot to think about this week, uh, going in that game at West Ham, and we'll have to wait and see what that team she is at two o'clock next Saturday. Now joined by Kieran Kelly. Uh, Kieran, how was Steve Bruce after that? Um, what did he think about the point gained, or the way yeah, the point gained against Wolves? Yeah, I suppose it was he took a lot of positives from the first half, um, how they played, but the second half just kind of where it all went wrong, really, in terms of how sloppy Newcastle were in possession. And rather than kind of trying to win the second half, as it were, that they just kind of sat in and sat in. We could all feel it, that that goal was coming. And um, that is the worry, really, for, for Newcastle, is how do they put away these teams? Wolves are by no means a, a poor team. I think they will finish in the top half this season, but 
Um, it's these kind of games, particularly when you go ahead, that you have to win. You know, they're the games, as I've said so many times, all decide their seasons. So that's the frustration when you think of the Brighton game, the Watford game. It's kind of a similar feeling, isn't it? You come out of it with that, in some ways, they're lucky to get a point. But, you know, that, that nagging feeling that that was a chance to a missed opportunity in some ways as well, as, as tough as it ultimately was. We've spoken previously there with Lee about the subs. And one thing that was quite interesting with Bruce's reaction, um, he alluded to the fact that the goal threat was going to come from either Almiron or St Maxman, in his view, and the dilemma was, well, who do you take off? Can you take them off? And yet, when you got to 70 minutes, even before the, le- the equaliser, it didn't really look like they were going to grab a second goal. I mean, is it a case that Bruce has got to be a bit stronger in this instance and say, right, look, I'm going to pull one of these guys onto the bench and, and we're, going to, we're going to make this uh, substitution? Yeah, I think... It was kind of similar against Chelsea when by the time Carroll came on for he didn't really have much time to get an impact and you saw Chelsea of course Gale didn't even have a touch it was so late he came on and strange subs in a way in some ways that you had Shelby obviously coming on to, to rectify the red card to tighten up and then for the final five minutes of the game he threw on Atsu and Gale so obviously he's, he's gone from kind of thinking right taking off Joel Linton wasn't it and almost settling for the point and then in the blink of an eye, you think, all right, let's go and try and win this. And I think Atsu would have freshened things up maybe with 20 minutes to go. Um, you know, he's someone who can pop up with an assist, as we know this season in particular, maybe not so much in the past. But, um, you know, Gale needs needs game time too. Um, everyone's going on about Gale being a threat, but he's naturally rusty, isn't he? He barely again had a few touches today. So it's a tough one. The game really was on a knife edge. Um you know, you could see Wolves were just piling in, and they 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 just almost needed like they they needed an outlet. And Smacksman, we've we've noticed as well, he he tires um, naturally because he's building up his match fitness. We saw Chelsea the second half war, and he tired, he tired again here, and you can't just rely on him, I suppose, as that outlet. And that, but that sums up their issues up front. They've got three players worth a lot of money, but kind of only one is really looking electric and. That's the issue. Is how do you get the best out of front line? We're still speaking about it. Um, ten games in now. Defensively, though, Fernandez came in and, and looked very sharp. I think he made the most uh, interceptions or clearances, and he just looked very at home in that position. So, I guess we'll take that as a positive. You know, yes, the, you can argue the drop of two points, but yeah, again, we're talking about the defense looking very sharp, and, and you know, and I don't want to use the word safe, but yeah, we, I mean, we could do. Yeah, again, as as much as Newcastle struggle to score goals, they have Leicester of heart. They don't give many away either. And I think it has been encouraging, as you said, when Clark's come in, they've stayed solid. When Fernandez has come in, they've stayed solid. So, you know, these guys have had to be patient for their chances. They've been really working hard behind the scenes and the performances they put in have been brilliant. Fernandez, I think, summed up with the goal. You know, he could have gave up on chasing after that ball he chased after it he didn't just sell for a throw in he hit a cross in LaSalle's nods home that's a huge huge moment and um, I think defensively he made some great clearances interceptions headers all you expect from him but it was it was encouraging I think um, you can see why he's in there and all of a sudden you're thinking Cher you know <laughs> he probably will come back in but you know uh, certainly Bruce has a couple of decisions to, to make next week on the equaliser then from Wolves, Martin Dubrovka should he've done better? Yeah, I think it's it's 
you know, of all weeks for it to happen. You know, just when he signs a six-year deal, he's he's his harshest critic. And in twenty nineteen, now it's happened a few times. Uh, obviously, Wolves last season, you could argue, was fouled. Um, we've seen the Spurs game, Liverpool game, he had a little moment. So it puts the spotlight on him a bit. But we all know he's made so many big saves for them, even this season um, as well. So it, it's it's a shame, really. But I suppose when you're inviting the team on the way they did with Wolves in that second half, you can see they crumbled essentially for it. And I'd also point out, you look at how many players kind of switched off as well. That was a bit of a worry for me for that goal that I think there were eight Newcastle outfield players in that box. Yet no one was, was thinking, oh, Johnny might get on the end of this for a volley. And it was a bit too easy for them. Um, but equally, yeah, the goalie yeah, should be doing a lot better. I think everyone would accept that. Well, there you have it. This has been the Everything Is Black and White podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday for a feature-length episode. Until then, head over to Chronicle Live to keep up with all the latest Newcastle United news. Thank you.